Okay, we're going to start right where we uh, ended yesterday, I think, as I was kind of recapping it, recapping over it. And I was saying that he's talking to two groups of people here and not two distinguishing groups. It was Judah, but it was children of adulteresses, but also it was the ones that would be children of God. And in that 13th verse, we kind of see a little bit of a transition. And then in the 14th, we see a completing of that transition. It says, When thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee, but the wind shall carry them all away, that it shall take them. Those are the ones who trusting in idols and are not distinguishing in the the things of God and truly trusted in God. Those are the adulterous children of children of adulterers, the bad seed, the seed of the whore, the seed of the sorcerer, things continuing as is. But midway that verse when he says, but he that put his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And we see, as I tried to get to yesterday, that the sins of the father may be visited upon the children, but they can overcome those sins because it says, he who hates his mother, father, sister, or brother, or even his own life. In other words, God allows them a chance to see themselves, uh, their relatives, or whoever it was for what they are, not that they hate them with a hatred against them personally, but it's a bit against their characteristics, against their doing, against their deeds of who they are. So sometimes one from a family, yes. one out of a group, or one from a, 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 a ethnic, uh, a one from a nation or this part of the people, as Ruth did. You remember Ruth? Mm -hmm. She left with Naomi, rejecting her people and what they were, and she says, I love you and I'll follow you. Your God shall be my God. Your people shall be my people. Yes. So she transitioned from the Moabites, from Moab to Christ's people, to the people of Judah, the people in Bethlehem, where she went to. Uh, so we see, it continues on to read, it says, verse 14, and shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, Prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. Take up what causes them to stumble. And that's what we want to look at, removing the stumbling block. Remove the stumbling block. Now, we have to kind of find out what is a stumbling block. What's the stumbling block and, and what is what we're looking at. And we say, take up the stumbling block because that's something... He does. Mm -hmm. Now, whether he do it through us or through someone else, however this comes about, it's in his providence that God brings about this removal of what's causing us to stumble. So Isaiah 57 and 14, I'll read that in the living version. He says, I will say, rebuild the road, clear the way, Clear away the rocks and stones, prepare a glorious highway for my people's return from captivity. What you see there is a clear path to God going up to the holy mountain of God. But actually, 
that's the way a lot of people may be looking at that verse, but I don't think that's that's the literal meaning. I think figuratively he's talking about stumbling blocks, things that cause us to stumble. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, he's talking of those things that are in darkness, where we were walking in darkness, now that we will be walking in light. It further implicates this as being that when it says he was a light into the Gentiles. And we go 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 to a verse in the book of Romans to see where that he was that light and it was the Gentile people that found him and all that caused them to stumble, those that walk in darkness, those that were walking after the ways of the world or the ways of tradition of their parents or as the world had went, they had come out from among them. They they were being separated by God. So it could mean unfaithful leaders. They could be stumbling blocks. Yeah. We see in the book of Isaiah where chapter 6 where it says in the year Isaiah died that Isaiah saw the Lord, the train of the Lord, high and lifted up. Sometimes it's not to others are moved out of the way that we can see God clearly. Remember old song, uh, Mama wanted that album by the Williams Brothers, and it was lean on, mm-hmm. to lean on me. It says he wanted to lean on his mother, but they took his mother out of the way. It says he could lean on his brother. He was leaning on everybody, but all of this had to be moved on before he started leaning on Jesus. Yes. See, sometimes our spouses, our children, our idols, and that's why he says they're going to be cast away or flung away because it's other things that's a stumbling block that causes us to be in darkness. And I was telling you, telling you the other day, politically and religiously, it's our leaders that are the stumbling blocks now. There are the stumbling blocks. In the, in the book of Malachi, the second chapter of Malachi, the seventh through the eighth verse, it says, Priests' lips should flow with the knowledge of God, so the people will learn God's laws. The priests are the messengers of the Lord Almighty, and men should come to, to them for guidance, but not to you, for you have left God's paths. Your guidance has caused many to stumble in sin. You have distorted the covenant of Levi and made it into a grotesque parody, says the Lord Almighty. That's the living version. So we see here where the teachers and the preachers and the political leaders and maybe even the authority of the parents, uh, whatever that we're following has caused the stumbling. Those are the stumbling blocks that God has to move away. You may have to take your, your spouse away. Yeah. I remember in the book of Ezekiel where he says it was for a different cause that he removed Ezekiel's wife out of the way. Mm. The delight of his heart that was going to be moved and Ezekiel was not to mourn for her at that time, but it was an example of something else that God was working at, but God does move people out of our way that could be a problem to us, that could be a stumbling block unto us 
or cause us to walk in darkness and not walk in the right way. Yes. In the book of Matthew, he's focusing in on the hypocrites in the church. And, and that's what I tell you, in religion, and that's what we see nationally, that's what we see worldwide, those in religions that are the hypocrites, the hypocrites that are in the church. Yes, yes, the book of Matthew, the 23rd chapter, 13 verse, Jesus says, he says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. And that's the King James Version. The living reads similar, but the living says, Woe to you, Pharisees and you other religious leaders, you hypocrites, for you won't let others enter the kingdom of heaven and won't go in yourselves. You pretend to be holy with all your long public prayers in the streets while you evicting widows from their homes, you hypocrites. And that's what I think about politically when I see a lot of people in this Republican Party that they say uh, have a guy's uh, outward appearance of trying to appear holy. They want to tack the Ten Commandments up on the schools, up on the churches, up on everything outwardly to appear holy, but inwardly they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They suppress the things and while making a public address and like a lot of the athletic prayer players you see when they run a touchdown or whatever and they get down and they pray and they try to act such a religious or pretentious prayer or pretentious religious religiousosity and it's all being a hypocrite because inwardly they hadn't been converted their ravageness was and it's only for the appearances that's why it says removing some of the stumbling blocks some of the things that cause us to be at whoa. And, and I hadn't watched it yet, and I don't know how much truth is in it. I, I, I got it marked to put it in my watch list on Amazon Prime, but the documentary on Barry Sanders is airing now. Yeah. Yeah. I want to watch that when I get time. We can see in the visuals, and that's what I so said, we have to be careful of ourselves and take heed unto ourselves and what we're doing or what we're saying because we ourselves could become stumbling blocks. Yes. We could be a stumbling block yes. to others. Yes. We see where Peter became a stumbling block or almost tried to be a stumbling block to Jesus Christ when Jesus asked Peter, who art thou, who do you say that I am, Peter? And in Matthew 16 and 23, he says, but he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, the art and offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that of men. Herein, that's what I was telling you about the character of the individual, or you knowing about yourself or whatever. And Peter was one that was quick to speak. And there's a lot of people in the church who are quick to say things. And it's not always good to say things and try to get the attention of others or try to make like you know all things or whatever. Sometimes it's better to be quiet because all that comes out your mouth is sometimes it's self and self-motivating. 
and it's wickedness, and it's sometimes it, you, a man you would a man wouldn't know you're a fool until you open your mouth and say some of the things that spew out. Yep. In the amplified version, here's what Jesus said in that sentence. Instead of the King James the Amplified says, "But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block to me." For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And that's what I say about doing the holidays and different times or whatever. People talk about how we should celebrate and the things what we should do. Are those ideas originating after taking every thought into the captivity and obedience of Jesus Christ? Then are we, we saying what we're saying or whatever? Because here Peter says, that shall not happen unto you when Jesus told him he was going to go and die in Jerusalem and be crucified. Where Peter didn't understand and Peter was thinking from a self-serving point of view. But that attitude or that way of thinking was satanic. Mm -hmm. And that's why God says our thoughts and our ways are not like his thoughts and our ways. So we don't want to be stumbling blocks to others or try to guide others along. And yeah. the, the living version says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, you Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are thinking merely from a human point of view and not from God's. In other words, it's the perspective in which we view the things that are said or that we're doing. And that's why I say we're trying to be have a renewing of our mind, a transforming of our mind where we see and think from God's perspective. Yes. Yeah. How, how does God view the situation, or his point of view on this and not ours? Because our thoughts and ways are not like his. Nope. Mm -hmm. All need to watch, uh, watch against becoming stumbling blocks. And that's what I say. We have to take heed unto ourselves because Paul said he's seen another force in his members, he's seen something within his members, this other spirit, this other thing, warring against that new spirit, that born-again spirit, that new man. He's seen an old man yeah. that he had to struggle with. And oh, yes. you have to put that old man to death. You have to die to self. You have to crucify that carnal way. The book of Romans, the 14th chapter in the 13th verse says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Yes. And that's what I, I try to ease into when I talk about holidays and things or whatever. If Christmas and all of these other holidays and Easter and all that, if that's what you believe and that's the way you establish or whatever, I, I try not to dismiss them in such a way that I damage the individual. That's why, you know, mostly in a church or mostly in preaching and teaching, when I say it, it's for in, in front of groups of people that are open or that should understand or, or the rebuke or, or, or the correcting the instructions that I'm doing at that time. But I wouldn't go tell a child about not believing in Santa Claus or Christmas or Easter and all of these other things. That's a whole other matter. And among weaker Christians and things, I don't talk about food or eating and drinking or whatever, uh, because that could be a stumbling block to them. Yep. That's why I kind of try to present both sides of the matter, because 
sometimes we can grow into situations. Mm-hmm. If you know where an individual stand and that you hold that individual in high regard, you may want to grow into where that uh, that place that individual is, mm-hmm. yet still you're weak and hadn't made it there yet. But it's something that God then gave you in this life that you may can follow after that. As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So, uh, and amplified that verse reads, then let us not criticize one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle, a stumbling block, a source of temptation in another believer's way. The living reads, so don't criticize each other anymore. Try instead to live in such a way that you will never make your brother stumble by letting him see you doing something that he thinks is wrong. So, uh, we have to be careful and walk circumspectively in this life and ask God to help steer us in what we're doing and the way we're living. We have to always beware of the weaker brethren that may be among us. There's always those among us that are not spiritually strong as we are, are not ready for the strong meat of the word, are living in the way of the gospel, are living are pursuing holiness at that level. That's why he says some of the righteous are taken away and none consider it. Well, this person means, uh, I, I remember two of our members, a couple of our members that have ceased and been gone home with the Lord. And, you know, why this happened? Uh, couldn't they have lived, you know, several more years or a little bit later in life that they wasn't relatively that old or in that bad a shape but why he allowed these to go on god knows and god understands these things but they may be weaker brothers that couldn't face a brother and a sister that couldn't face a lot of things to come god takes us out of the way sometime when you see the road is getting too rough for us yes. that we're not going to be that strong there are those that could be stronger in the lord than others first corinthians 8 9 says However, not all believers have this knowledge, but some being accustomed throughout their lives to thinking of the idol until now as real and living, still eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and because their conscience is weak, it is defiled, that is guilty or shame. Now food will not commend us to God, nor bring us close to him. We are no worse off if we do not eat, nor are we better if we do eat, only be careful that this liberty of yours, this power to choose, does not somehow become a stumbling block that is a temptation to sin to the weak conscience. And I talk about drinking. I, I, drinking is not an evil or sinful act worthy of death or worthy of these things. And we have different occasions in the Bible where we see saints of God drinking. But if someone sees me drinking and say, well, it's nothing wrong with that, or you can drink this and that, and they become an alcoholic, or they, something happens to them, or they can't tolerate or keep their liquor or whatever, and it could be a stumbling block to them. Me, myself, I abstain from alcoholic beverages, but I'm not preaching to be a teetotaler. Mm. You know, so believe me. Eating and drinking, some people preach against pork and ham and all of these other things, and against our Islamic brothers or Muslim brothers or the brotherhood 
or whatever. And the reason I say brothers because I don't know who's who. So he may be in a different religion or whatever, but he may be a weak brother that sooner or later may come to terms or come to a knowledge of saving knowledge of the truth of God. But if, if I'm offensive to him and I'm not a brother that regards a weaker brother, but I, I'm as this Christian nationalism that's arising that causes God's name to be blaspheming because this is not the Christian way. We even make sinners and our enemies comfortable in life yeah. and in death. He says, give strong wine to those that are perishing. Yeah. And I remember a close friend of mine, an elderly man, that he had terminal, he had stage four pancreatic cancer or whatever, something, and the medications he was taking or whatever. But nowadays, a lot of them, smoke marijuana, take different drugs or whatever. So I shouldn't be up here preaching against those things or whatever. You know, uh, he used to, I used to buy it from Dale Champs at times, filth the liquor for him or whatever. But I wasn't drinking it, but I wasn't, oh, you shouldn't drink this. You ain't going to go to heaven. You drink this. Well, you know, we, we, we in, in territories that we may not should be in at those times. Love the prevention of, love the prevention of, and that this follows up on the heels of that, First John 2 and 10. But whoever loves his fellow man is walking in the light and can see his way out without stumbling around in darkness and sin. So like I said, he says, love your enemies and love those who despitefully use you and mistreat you. We don't know who's who among our brothers, but we should love all men. Christ ended all of that and put a complete understanding. And he says, love those who despitefully use you and mistreat you and do all sorts of enemies. Feed your enemy. Pray for them that's working all these things. Because why? We must be Christ-like regardless of how that individual is. He's still our brother and in the Lord. So whether he's in poverty, we shouldn't treat him any different. We should be impartial and not treat him worse than we would treat somebody of wealth or popularity. Mm, Amplified version reads, the one who loves and unselfishly seeks the best for his brother lives in the light, and in him there is no occasion for stumbling or offense. In other words, he does not hurt the cause of Christ or lead others to sin. So that's the type of individual that is. And God keeps that individual. Now, also stumbling blocks can come, as I told you earlier, from the evil influences of the unfaithful Christians. There are a lot of unfaithful Christians. And I won't go over 1 Corinthians 8 and 10 in that because I think I covered it earlier when I was saying being aware of the weaker brothers. Uh, and this was about things, eating things, given unto idols. But in Corinthians, we do have one that I'll go over here. First uh, Corinthians 5 and 6 about uh, your boasting over supposed spiritual, the supposed spirituality of your church is not good. Indeed, it is vulgar and inappropriate. Do you not know, do you not know that just a little leaven ferments the whole batch of dough? Just as a little sin corrupts a person, an entire church. This is them contemplating where the church thought it 
Remember one time Tony Perkins had said that about uh, Donald Trump, that he, you know, he laughed and joked about it. And this is the, the head of the Christian coalition, a focus of the family, something he took over from Dobson or something, whatever. But he jokingly about it, he's a, the president, about his rouse with the porn star and the number of times being married or whatever, he jokingly said, well, we'll give him a mulligan on that. In other words, in Christianity, we, we can't take these especially sexual sins in a light manner, a light way. And that's what Paul was saying. This is vulgar. This is not the right thing to do. This little sin, it's going to weaken the whole body of Christ. He says, this is an inappropriate. Put that man out. This is the one that was committing sexual sin with his mother-in-law. In other words, his father's mother, I mean, father's wife that he was sleeping with her. He said he had already come to find out that sexuality sin, those sins, and that's why when Isaiah says you adulterers, seed of adulterers and fornicators and sorcerers of the whore or whatever, I told you something about sexual sins, sins against the body, when you sin against the body and that sort of whatever, and that goes way, way back all the way to the beginning. And that's why God promised about the seed of the woman versus the seed of the man. One was going to bruise the other one's head. The living version says about that one. He says, what a terrible thing it is that you are boasting about your purity. And yet you let this sort of thing go on. Don't you realize that if any one person is allowed to go on sinning soon, all will be affected. And I know, uh, T.D. Jakes had that woman thou loose and a lot of things that he's talking, a lot of these sins and things that we kind of allow and allow people to hold certain positions and take certain positions in the church, those things sooner or later overthrow those in the church. That little sin, that little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's why you see same-sex marriage and the women clergy and everything gathering such power and such might is because we've allowed these things in. The church have slept on these things. The church has slumbered and slept. Paul goes to the point in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter and the ninth verse says, a little leaven, that is a slight inclination to error, a few false teachers leavens the whole batch it perverts the gospel of faith and misleads the church because you allow some novice, some people, whether they be popular with the congregation or have some inherited person that has money or something, and you allow this teaching us different doctrines and things to be said that's heretical. Uh, I think it was Vody Bachum that had something he got out of a conference or something because they was going to have T.D. Jakes there, I think, on the stage or whatever. And T.D. Jakes teaching on, I think it was the Trinity or something or whatever, it was in conflict with something Vody Bauckham believed in. And, you know, I listened to Vody Bauckham a good deal or whatever. But he, he was right in that because your alliances with these people of evil influence are teaching heretical doctrine, a doctrine that 
seems to be like you go along with that. It's associations with those that are evil or, or wicked and are those that are not that cause that causes a division in the church. And the Bible tells us mark those that cause division. Yes. Yes. So we have to be careful of that. It takes only one wrong person among you to affect all of the rest. Yes. So we have to deal with church discipline. It says the elders that sin among you rebuke them openly. It's different than a lay member or someone lowly in the church or whatever. If an elder or person in authority that can be seen or whatever do these things, the rebuke, the chastisement has to be openly. Mm. Yes. Oh, yes, that little, that's going to become a, 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 mold, a mountain. That mold hills could become a mountain. And that's when sometimes those that get so strong in the church, they'll end up overthrowing the leadership, overthrowing those in the church. You didn't let them take root in there. Yes. Now you have to chop the whole thing down to get rid of it. You have to close off the church. It has to, it's, in other words, it's to permeate it, permeate it, affect it, the whole body. Right. I think it was old saying, one bad apple. <laughs> we have to watch these sort of things uh, the book of Romans the 14th chapter and the 15th verse the last one about unfaithful Christians among us if your brother is being hurt or offended because of food that you insist on eating you are no longer walking in love toward him do not let what you eat destroy and spiritually harm one for whom Christ died and, and like I said we don't want to be that type of brother. And I also about the one that had passed. Sometime he would say things very abrasive or whatever toward others or whatever. And I'm not saying that he wasn't saved, but that was one of the critical flaws that he had. Yeah. Over time, preaching and teaching, it might have been roughed out of him with saying people and with preaching and teaching, and we don't know because he's no longer with us. So I don't know whether it was a, that was a portion of him that could have been a stumbling block for one other others because we have to learn to humble ourselves so God will humble us. Oh, yes. God will move us out of the way if we won't be humble or whatever. That's why a lot of people say about Ananias and Sapphira. We don't know that they were lost or anything, but we know that that time because of tithes and money and offering that God did take their lives. That's not an example that everybody uses and tell people, oh, and I, well, I'm saying sometimes things come up so people may not pay tithes or offerings or something could happen, but it might not be because of trickery or inbred thing. It may be because things happen. So I don't think it's a life and death issue. And like I said about Charles Stanley or whatever, that he says he didn't really preach on tithes or offering. He did teach that, you know, that was to be done. We know the saints of God do do that, but it's not something that we hold as some of the prosperity churches or word of faith churches do that. We have to see your W-2 form and that we have to take this out or let it be taken out of your salary before you get it. It's like a governmental taxes or something. We have to take this out. It has to come to the church. That's a, that's the law of the Jew, the Jewish law that they fell short here. I'll get to that in just a second. I think it's on here somewhere. Uh, 
evil influences emanate from the ungodly. And there's a spirit. And, uh, remember this show sometime. I used to be around people that's watching. I may have been in, watched it once a few times myself. I wasn't an adamant follower of it. But I think it was, my name was Earl. And he was talking about karma and the, the bad karma or whatever. Well, some individuals, you could call it karma or whatever you want to, but there are people that have bad spirits. Yeah. Those spirits possess or drive them. They have evil influence. As Jesus said, you're children of your father, the devil, and of his deeds you will do. So we have to be careful of the evil influences that emanate from the ungodly. And that's what I was saying about the political leaders and the religious leaders that you can see these, uh, feel these, uh, God gives you, that's why he gives the church and give different people within the church a discernment of spirit. Yes. So I'm not trying to paradoxically say about what we just said about why judge and criticize one another. We can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say we don't judge uh, or whatever, we have to be critical about a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. We may have to hold those criticisms and be a little bit more diplomatic about them. Yes. But there must be a discerning <clears throat> and choosing good versus evil. So, First uh, Kings 11 and 4 says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord as God at, would with the Lord his God as with the heart of David. Now David had many wives. He didn't have as many as Solomon, but God had warned him to make him aware of all the different wives that he was marrying, that he, as he got older, yes. that he would start worshiping their gods and that they would draw his heart away to where he wasn't faithful in the things of God as David was. Yes. And it's a lot of men today their wives have inflicted this upon them to where they're so afraid of their wives or leaving their wives or divorcing their wives or being separated from their wives. They have the fear of man and not the fear of God until they're making ungodly decisions. Sometimes God may move that woman or may not move him, may move that husband and may not move him, but that spouse can become a stumbling block. Yes, yes. So that spouse can become a stumbling block. Let's talk about one, another one here, First Kings 21 and 25. There certainly was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. It was Jezebel that was the leader of that family. And nowadays we can tell who's running the roost. We can tell whether a man rules the roost or not. You can tell who's in charge of that home or not. We see that Ahab wasn't in charge of his home, that his wife was the decision maker there. It says, the living says, no one else was so completely sold out to the devil as Ahab. For his wife Jezebel encouraged him to do every sort of evil. He couldn't stand up against her against it for anything. He, he was afraid of it. And like I said, that ha- happens today. Even Isaiah, I mean, Elijah was afraid of Jezebel, and he ran 100 miles in the opposite direction. That's why it had, a, had to have an Elisha, a prophet of the Lord, to stand up and anoint Jehu and say, you go take Jezebel out. Mm. 
you need to take Jezebel out. We see that spirit of Jezebel alive and working today. We see it in the book of Revelations where God says he's going to kill Jezebel and her children. He's going to cast them in a bed of death. Second Chronicles 21 and 6 says that he walked, this is about Ahab still. He says he walked in the way of the kings of Israel just as the house of, oh, this is not Ahab. This is Jehoram. This is one of the king Jehoshaphat's son. Jehoshaphat's son in Judah. Because what happens when you partner with evil or unrighteous people, well, Jehoshaphat's son seeing him partner, Jehoshaphat partnering with Ahab and being with Ahab, and Ahab had Jezebel for a wife, Atalia was Jezebel's daughter. She was the most wicked woman it was, but now he, her daughter, is just as bad as her. And that's why he says, you sorceress. We know Jezebel was a sorceress. We know she was uh, adulterous, in other words, but she was the daughter of the Phoenician priest uh, of Tyre, and that uh, she had Athaliah. Athaliah married Jehoshaphat's son, and it says... He walked in the ways of the king of Israel, which was wicked. All the kings of Israel was wicked, just as the house of Ahab had done, for he had married the daughter of Ahab, and Ahab's daughter, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, Athaliah, she was the only one that served as queen during Israel's time that she took over as queen. She was wicked and evil. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And you could read that further in Second Chronicles 21 and 6 about Athaliah and them having to kill and destroy Athaliah because she's a very wicked woman. But her mother was like that. So the sins of the mother visited upon the daughter there. Jeremiah 23 and 15 says, Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts in regard to the prophets. This goes back to Malachi, as I was saying, that sometimes it's the priest and the prophets. And that's what I say. In this day and age, it's the leaders, those that teach doctrinal errors, that God's going to have to destroy and move away. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts in regard to the prophets, Behold, I'm going to feed them the bitterness of wormwood and make them drink the poisonous water of gall. For from the counterfeit prophets of Jerusalem, profaneness and ungodliness have spread into all of the land through their teaching. Jesus came along and he made the statement, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, the teaching of the Pharisees. The doctrine was there, but the doctrine contained leaven. So it was a whole lot of truth in what they were teaching, but it was some poison in it. It was some bad teaching in it. And that's why he told them to beware of the teaching of the Pharisees because it contains leaven. Mark 15 and 11 says, but at this point, the chief priest whipped up the mob to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Herein, where stumbling block is referring to an individual that causes others to stumble or trip others up. Here, Ananias and Caiaphas, the chief priest, caused the people to reject Jesus and ask for Barabbas to be released 
instead of Jesus. Right. They caused people, just like I think about Netanyahu or whatever at this time or whatever, he's causing a lot in Israel to stumble. Yes. It's the leaders that's causing these stumbles among the people. Yes. And the people follow it, the blind following the blind. It's some, it's a good, great deal here that are not along with Netanyahu and what he's doing here at this time or whatever. But we see it in a world and at the time that we have to be aware of those that cause divisions are a stumbling block to others. The book of Acts talks about one, and he called Elamus. That's a Greek name, or that's the way it's pronounced, Elamus. It's a sorcerer, he says, but the sorcerer. And we notice that in Isaiah, he says, the seed of sorcery. Sorcery is including of witchcraft, drugs, uh, religious influences that are uh, witchcraft, witchcraft, uh, new age religious, different teachings and things that's like Simon the sorcerer bewitched people. In other words, Galatians, when Paul came in, he says, who had bewitched you that you would be removed so easily from the doctrine, from the grace of God, from the teachings of God. Someone had came in with false teaching or witcher that they were stumbling blocks to the people. He Elam must interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Paul and Barnabas said, trying to keep him them from the faith or from trusting in the Lord. At this time, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, moved in Paul. This was not Paul making this statement. This was the Holy Spirit using a inch, Paul as an instrument. Yeah. So Paul issued the curse. Mm. He said, for thus speaks the Holy Spirit that you shall be blind for a season. Mm. So that's the instrument whereby the curse came was Paul spoke it. Sometimes that's what I say. We have to be able to speak those things that the Spirit gives us to remove those things. That's why he asks Peter, he says, how would you like to have those things that you say? Mm -hmm. He says, you can speak, you can say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and it would obey you. Because he had given his disciples power to loose and bind. What's bound here on earth should be bound in heaven. What's loosed on earth should be loosed in heaven. So that's the authority when we line up with God's word that God gives us to help speak his word. When Peter spoke those words to Ananias and Sapphira about the Holy Spirit, was going, someone was going to carry them out just like they carried out her husband in that he told Ananias, he says, who had... Satan had beguiled you to do this with you and lie about the, the funds, the tithes or whatever. He says, thus, you know, they will carry you out. So it wasn't Peter bringing the death penalty. It was him being led by the Spirit of God to say these things. Yes. The book of Romans, the second chapter, the 24th verse, it says, you who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? And that's what's I spoke on spiritual adultery and what adultery means. And this is leading to where the Pharisees, the different Pharisaical teaching, 
was that you can divorce your wife for any cause. If she bring the braid of, a lot of people wanted to divorce their wives so they could marry other women. They was lusting. Uh, they had formed a friendship over a period of time, and they this woman they felt was her soulmate, or she understood him better, or whatever. Not that the, that wife had committed adultery or anything, but they sought a reason, a, a purpose for that wife. So we know only death of committing adultery was grounds for you being able to marry someone else. But that's why when he says, uh. When he spoke to Jesus, he said, well, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to give your wife a bill to divorce, but, but that was for adultery only. It wasn't for any cause. Yes. But let's continue on in this. It says, you who detest idols, do you rob pagan temples of valuable idols and offerings? And that's what I was saying about the political part and the religious parties. now. We are idolatrous nation. We are a covetous nation, and that what causes idolatry is covetousness. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us covetousness is idolatry. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the most covetous nation upon the earth. And covetous, to covet is one of the Ten Commandments, not to covet. He says, you who boast in the law, do you repeatedly dishonor God by breaking the law? And that, that's what he addressed the Pharisees on, on, on occasion, that he says, by your traditions of keeping hold to money and dedicating money to religious affairs and things, and you said that this is dedicated to God, so you don't honor or give your parents an honorarium. In other words, as they're older and need help and different people need different income or, or whatever type help, you dedicate this to God and, God and say it's Corban, yes. which prevents you from carrying out what God had says do. He said, by your traditions, you make void the commandments of God. And see, that's one of the things of mocking God is distorting what his word is or trying to outwith God, yes. outfox God, being cunning or whatever. Uh it says, for the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written in Scripture. And that's what I'm saying. It's because you've caused God's name to be ill-spoken of by other people the way you act. What you're doing is not Christian-like. It's not Christ-like. And you're, you're a hypocrite. And by being a hypocrite, you're causing others to not even want to be a Christian even join the church and be part of the church. Here in stumblings, nays topical and a figurative meaning of stumbling. Nays the topical Bible, I've chosen a few verses here that have a figurative meaning of the word stumbling. Uh, I'm not going to go over First Peter 1 and 8. Uh, that's a, a kind of a difficult verse, that, but one of those would be First Peter 1 and 8. I will go into Isaiah eight fourteen through 15 at this time. It says, And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. He's talking about Judah. 
He's talking about his people. And that's what I was telling you. Beware of the Israel today in which Netanyahu says he's rooting out all the evil and that what the the Palestinians have done and what Hamas has done and that they're doing these things. And God says, these people don't actually believe in the name of Jesus Christ and as a, a zeal for what God has promised or what theirs is or whatever, they're taking and fallen by this. Be careful that Christ don't become a stumbling block to you. Let's read that in the Amplified, long version of Amplified. We will go back a few verses up. It says, Then he shall be a sanctuary that is a sacred, indestructible shelter for those who fear and trust him. But to both of the houses of Israel, that is Israel and Judah, he will be a stone on which to stumble and a rock on which to trip. Look at that figuratively. Tripping over this, stumbling like as you're walking in the dark. They're in the dark because the light of the gospel is not shown in them. They're not seeing things from God's perspective. They don't understand what they're doing. They're driven by the works of the law. And that's where the Jews missed it at. They had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Yes, yes. So he says, a trap and a snare for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many among them will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and trapped. He says, bind up the testimony, seal the law and the teachings among my disciples, the church, among those people of God during that time that understood and believed and trusted in God and wasn't hypocrites. And I will wait for the Lord who is hiding from his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look eagerly for him. Listen carefully. I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders that will occur in Israel for the, from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. You remember Isaiah, he told him the name, his sons, these two names, and that they was going to be a sign unto the people. Yeah. And Jesus Christ was a sign. You remember Simeon and Anna was talking about this was the sign. This was the one born. This, see, so we have to be in Christ. All of this stuff is hidden in Jesus Christ, and he only reveals it to his people, yes. to that promised seed. The promises was to us and to the seed. We are that promised seed. Uh, this is the last one that we will have time to do today. The ninth chapter of Romans, the 32nd to the 33rd verse. Let's read it here first. It says, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it was by the works of the law. That's what I was saying. This was the works of the law. If these are the works of the law that Israel is doing now, physically, that, that's, what, that's going on. That's why I say we have to beware of evil influences and what pulls us into things to become stumbling that they are stumbling blocks of stones to us or rocks of, of offense. Mm-hmm. Even though they portray themselves as God people or whatever, this is not right. He says, 
for they stumble at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Whosoever believe it on him shall not be ashamed. Okay, let's go down and read this. I think this is the living version. Has it started here? This is the amplified here, I think. Behold, uh, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, who did not seek salvation and a right relationship with God, nevertheless obtained a right relationship with God because they believed and trusted upon Jesus Christ. They had faith in him. That is the righteousness which is produced by faith. Whereas Israel, though always pursuing the law of righteousness, did not succeed in fulfilling the law. And why not? Well, it was because it was not by faith that they pursued it, but as though it were by works, relying on the merit of their works instead of faith. That's what I was telling you the other day about feeding the needy and doing all these things. You're depending upon the works that you do. People are not thinking on faith. There's a lot that's going to enter in. All they did was had faith in Jesus Christ. That's what rich required. That's what produced the fruits of righteousness. That's what produces all. It's by grace through faith. Yes. Grace. So they received the grace of God, which was freely given to all men. Wouldn't the Palestinians be all men? If he freely give it to some. So amongst both of those warring factors, there be some for God in the midst of all of them. So shouldn't we be careful of how we pursue this or how we're doing this? So within the nations, as nation rise up against nation, there's something going on in Ireland or Denmark or something that rose up over the weekend. But we see a world, a chaotic world, the foundations are being shaken here. It says, why not? Because they instead they didn't seek it by faith. They stumble over the stumbling stone that is Jesus Christ, as it is written and forever written. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He says he's laying that in Zion. Here's Jesus Christ. Here's the stone that you builders rejected. This is the chief cornerstone. The tenets of what he said. You remember what I said? Tenets and precepts. The regulations and statutes. So are you loving your enemy? Because we're dealing with what Jesus Christ said here. This is what Jesus came in and says. I said, love your enemies. I said, see, because if you're buffeting yourself, if you're coming away from all of these things, that desire for wars and things within you would cease because Peace, great peace that we get from Jesus Christ is the absence of war. Mm-hmm. We can't build the house of God while we're warring or while we at war. Mm-hmm. Peace builds the house of God. And we see the rest of this chapter where he gives great peace to his people. Yes. That's the absence of conflict. He who believes on him, who adheres to him, trusts in him, and relies on him, will not be disappointed in his expectations. Now, this is the last portion of that, those verses. The first one was the King James. 
The second one was amplifying. This is the living version. Well then, what shall we say about these things? Just this, that God had given the Gentiles the opportunity to be acquitted by faith, even though they had not been really seeking God. But the Jews who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping his laws never succeeded. Didn't Paul tell them at the Jerusalem council, why are you laying the laws upon these people and we wasn't able to keep the laws? That's when he said they should abstain for idols and food offered you know, with blood in, it, in certain things. But he says, we couldn't keep the law. Why would you force that up on somebody else? People, when they talk about Judaism and Christianity, a lot of times they don't know what they're talking about. They're, they're the stumbling blocks that themselves. He says, why not? Because they were trying to be saved by keeping the law and being good instead of by depending on faith. They have stumbled over the great stumbling stone. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I have put a rock in the path of the Jews and many will stumble over him, that is Jesus. Those who believe in him will never be disappointed. So he became their stumbling stone or their stumbling block because of a lack of their belief and a lack of praying to God for understanding and wisdom and a knowledge to go forward. We have to have all of those things. And that's why I say, we have to study to show ourselves approved. Workers that need not be ashamed. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of you because I'm the way, I'm the only way, he says. So that closes a lot of doors of faucets to God in other ways where people say, well, any, you could go to God anyway. All roads lead to God. We know something's wrong with that statement. Yes, We know something's wrong with that statement. So for us to be stronger, we have to learn more of God. And that's when he says the saints, the people of God, shall be stronger in the last days. Those that are not stronger would be the opposite of that, weaker. Mm, But we see a lot of the weak taken out of the way. Usually that wolf captures the weaker sheep. The sheep that are on the cripple and on the verges, like Amalek, he attacked the tribe, the people of Israel from behind, attacking the old and the infirmed. We have to stay with the herd. We have to stay strong. We have to study to show ourselves approved. We have to put on the whole arm of God. The warriors and those that will be strong in the light he says, if you hadn't kept up with the footman, how are you going to keep up with the horses? You have to study God's word and pray to God and walk in this thing. Heavenly Father, help us not to be stumbling stones or stumbling blocks or cause others to stumble, but help us to be strong in you and your word and in your way and to walk worthy of the calling where we were called. To lay aside every weight and every sin that besets you from running this race and run this race in patience. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.